Welcome to the RSP Cast Film and Data with Adam Harstead. I'm Matt Waldman. Adam, thanks again for joining us once again for the season. It's always a weekly pleasure to get a chance to do this with you. Yeah, same. Always happy to uh, hear the sound of my own voice here. <laughs> well, we're going to get to hear plenty of that because um, we're going to we're going to talk a little bit of it by uh, listener request to talk a little bit about playoff streamers at quarterback. Who are some guys that you know how we feel about some of the potential um, candidates to stream over the next few weeks, and then. Uh, but I'd like to kind of kick off with the idea of. Um, what Cecil Lamb used to call the, or has called frequently, the Marcy Rossman rule, which is the idea of that you that you dance with the person that you brought, you, you know, that you brought to the event with you. Um, and so we're in the playoffs, and it's the whole idea of, you know, say you have Mark Andrews, and you know this is this was something that at least until yesterday we were thinking, well, Tyler Huntley might be out we already have lamar out that leaves us anthony brown a rookie who you know from my estimation and you know he may he may have had a chance to prove us wrong but really not um ready to play quarterback in in a passing game in the nfl and deliver decent production and i just wonder adam how do you feel about that type of that type of an idea of like, well, let's just, you know, even though someone may be struggling or maybe in a difficult um, scenario, they've been a good starter over that period of time. I, you know, stay with them rather than try and take the chance to find, to have a better option. To me, I, I don't know. I, I think that there's, I think that there are variables that can change that. What do you think? Well, I mean, for starters, the idea that um, worse quarterback play doesn't translate to worse receiver production is just trivially easy to demonstrate. That's that's not true. You look at Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald, Hall of Fame receiver, you know, one of the best to ever play. He's going to go down second to Jerry Rice um, in all-time receptions. Uh, when he had Carson Palmer and Kurt Warner as his quarterbacks, he put up some very strong years. When he had um, John Skelton and Max Hall and Matt Leinart as his quarterbacks, he put up some very disappointing years. His production was obviously impacted by his quarterback play. And some people will point to counterexamples. DeAndre Hopkins had some really strong years with some really bad quarterback play in Houston. Um, but there's still examples, even with DeAndre Hopkins, of, of, there's kind of a threshold where once you're below that threshold, once it's bad enough, it starts impacting the receiver. And I'd also distinguish and I'd say there's there's good for an NFL standpoint and good for a fantasy standpoint. Lamar Jackson is a better quarterback than Tyler Huntley from an NFL standpoint. There's no question. But Tyler Huntley has actually in the past been good for Mark Andrews. Um, he, he locks onto a single receiver. Jeff Blake was really famous for this in Anquan Bolden's rookie year. Jeff Blake's not one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, but Jeff Blake, he doesn't progress very far past his first read and he's willing to throw a ball into any sort of coverage he's never seen a window he's not willing to fit a pass into um so he wasn't a great nfl quarterback but he was a fantastic fantasy quarterback beautiful um, vertical receivers. shots though those were fun to oh watch. some of the prettiest you watch some of his highlights from his days in cincinnati and he threw the most beautiful like touch deep passes like he's not rifling it in there he's dropping it into a bucket like 50 yards downfield i don't even know how he did it it yeah. was beautiful he made russell wilson look like an amateur at that which is so if you're if you didn't know jeff blake but you saw the best of russell wilson and and pickens throwing to pickens you would get used to somebody winning um contested catches on a regular basis yeah i mean if you if you've got some time to kill this afternoon watch some jeff blake highlights on youtube um he's he's kind of like Brandon Lloyd. He's one of those players who like <laughs> their highlight reel is way beyond their regular, their regular reel, yeah. like all time, great highlight quarterback, phenomenal for fantasy, kind of a so-so guy for, for actual NFL. He wasn't terrible. I don't want to oversell it, but yeah. um, so it, it's not just a binary good, 
bad. Um, there is some minimum threshold of competence. Uh, with the Broncos, when their entire quarterback room was ruled out with COVID, and they had to start like a wide receiver slash sixth-string quarterback off the practice squad named Kendall Hinton, who the offensive coordinator is saying the day before the game, like, I just met the guy. I didn't even know who he was two days ago. And now he's a starting quarterback in the NFL game. I don't care who you are. Never, ever, ever start a receiver under those circumstances. Yeah. But by and large, if you go too deep on NFL depth charts, um, I think there's like 64 guys who probably meet that minimum threshold of respectability where like if I have Mark Andrews and Baltimore's down to their second string quarterback, or if I have Tyreek Hill and Miami's to the second string quarterback, or if I have, you know, Devontae Adams, whoever I have, if I've got a star and the team's down to a second string quarterback, I'm not sweating it. Right. Teams usually have at least two guys who are capable of hitting that minimum. There might be some impact on his numbers. Sometimes it might even be a positive impact. But but by and large, it's not going to be a big enough impact where I'm going to meaningfully adjust my expectations. When teams start getting into third string, fourth string quarterbacks, things can go out the window in a hurry. But by and large, I'm I'm on the whole dance with the one that brung you barring just truly exceptional circumstances. I think stars are going to get theirs. And the the impact of quarterback play is just going to be dwarfed by the impact of weekly noise. Yeah. And I think that, I think that's a, a sensible argument with that. I mean, for me, Anthony Brown is your third quarterback and you see to, to me at that point, that's where I would be looking at and going, well, he might get Mark Andrews might get six targets a game. And there are other there are other options that might, you might look at and consider who may only get three or four. But if I know they're going to more than likely get three or four quality targets in a game, as opposed to you know out of the six targets get four really bad ones, I'm I'm rolling with I'm rolling with the guy who gets fewer targets but but more quality targets or at least the likelihood of that. So I don't know. I mean, it's. Basically, in order to be better on four targets than six targets, those targets have to be 50% as valuable. And we're not talking about, like, rule. Like, obviously, four Deshaun Jackson targets are worth more than six targets for Samaj P. Ryan or, or, you know, like an underneath running back who's just, you know, running whatever out of the backfield. Um, but the idea that, like, a quarterback, the, the difference between two quarterbacks is so great that it would overcome, like, a 50% volume difference. I don't know. It... I think the difference between most quarterbacks may be like a 10 or 20% difference in terms of target quality. Uh, it would take a pretty extreme circumstance for me to prefer like a four target guy over a six target guy, all else being equal. I could see that. I guess probably what this really hinges on is the fact that when I look at Anthony Brown, I think that's he's that extreme example. And I just haven't really come to terms with the fact that that's really what it is, is that Right. Is that that's too extreme? So yeah, because I mean, like Brock Purdy in San Francisco was fine. You yeah. know, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel. Sure, I'd rather they have Jimmy Garoppolo in there, but I'm going to start him this week. You know, well, if if you know if yeah. they play, yeah, I don't think Brock Purdy is moving the needle that much. Where where I'm meaningfully adjusting my expectations for San Francisco's receivers. For sure, for sure, and and in and in truth, he really is the quarterback three we forget I kind of forget that when I think about that Trey Lance was out at the time I was actually thinking I thought of Brock Purdy as more of a quarterback two this whole time as opposed to a quarterback three in the same way that I but that's because and it really does it comes down to it's an extreme circumstance because like I look at Skylar Thompson or or a Brock Purdy and think yeah they're they're quarterback two talents, even if they were technically quarterback three. They were just kept on the roster because the team liked them so much to give them that opportunity. Whereas maybe you look at Anthony Brown and you think maybe they kept Anthony Brown because they have two quarterbacks who run a lot and they felt like that maybe it was good to make sure that they had a third one. I mean, that's my interpretation of it. That may not be the truth, but that's how I saw it. So... Um, you know, you talk about Brock Purdy, and we had a we had a listener who who ha had a request that we could talk about some streamer quarterbacks and and who you feel like is worthwhile the you know over the next few weeks and who may not be. And let's start with Purdy. I mean, it seems to me 
when you watch him from my perspective when you watch him in this offense he's he's a very good structure quarterback so think Jared Goff think um, Jimmy Garoppolo um, Kirk Cousins players who if this you know things are schemed up or if you're following the play design to its conclusion whether that's a check down or throwing the ball away Brock Purdy is going to do just as you said just fine he's going to distribute the ball to the reads that he has if he's under pressure he will stand in there under pressure he will find he will find that open read much of the time and make an accurate throw in in the zones now he's asked to do things that are a little bit beyond the scheme where he's going to have to impose some of his athletic will on an opposing defense that's where things start to fall apart with him so for for me as long as he plays within himself um and plays within the structure of the offense he's productive um the it's where when he has to go beyond that sometimes he gets a little like cousins he gets a little too aggressive thinking that he has a bigger arm um or more velocity on on his throws or that he can squeeze a ball into situations um where he he just waits a little too long or just makes a you know his he his mind sees things like his mind sees things in the same way that Patrick Mahomes sees things but his body doesn't execute them in the way that Patrick Mahomes has the 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 physical skills to do so um so you know the the only question I have with a guy like him Adam is that is he over the next few weeks our defense is going to adjust quick enough to say we can take away enough to make you play more off structure and test you to do that and if you do that and fail you're going to have a three interception game and might be um you know and and maybe not even crack 200 yards at that point because of the fact that um you know they force you to do things that you fail miserably and now the team is just way behind yeah, so there's, um, and I promise this is going to tie in, but there's something called the Mabuson paradox of skill. And the paradox of skill is that the closer participants become in skill, the more luck separates them, right? Like, so, um, like, picking players in the NFL draft, um, basically, it looks like luck predominates, but that's just because all of the general managers are so skilled that the thing that differentiates them is just random chance. And... So when you look at the NFL within like a narrow skill range, like the narrow skill range of like NFL quality quarterbacks, throwing out like Kendall Hinton, the practice squad wide receiver, um, NFL quarterbacks are close enough in talent that most of the variation in quarterback production, I would say maybe about 40% for the most part stems from the quarterback himself and 60% stems from things outside the quarterback's control, his receivers, his blocking, his play calling, you know, maybe it's even 30% to the quarterback, 70% to everything else, you know, is your head coach, Kyle Shanahan or Mike McDaniels is your primary receiver, Devontae Adams, things outside the quarterback's control. Um, I think San Francisco, um, as I alluded to, um, probably more than any other offense that skews even more towards the everything else end of the spectrum. I think San Francisco's quarterback production instead of being 30% a function of the quarterback, maybe it's only 20% a function of the quarterback or 15% of the function of the, of the quarterback. A lot of the variance in the production is coming from um, their very talented skill players getting yards after the catch or their very talented offensive-minded head coach scheming players wide open where it doesn't matter how good the quarterback is, he's going to be able to hit them. Um, and, and so more than almost any other offense san francisco is really set up to get production out of um basically any quarterback you put you put back there and and i want to distinguish between you know like production and and you know like quality quarterback play i mean i think san francisco will win more with better quarterbacks but i think they're going to get numbers with whoever um whether that's whether that's Lance, whether that's Purdy. Um, that's not to say that quarterback's not important. Again, I think San Francisco is a much better team with a much better quarterback, but I think the production is going to be there. Um, I do want to, if you don't mind, um, speaking of Purdy, I had a, um, 
a follower asked me a question about him last night, and I kind of want to go on a diatribe. Um, so um, he's in a dynasty league. He's um, got a super flex team. He just lost one of his quarterbacks, and he was asking, should I trade a 2024 second round pick for Brock Purdy? Because I need another quarterback for the next couple of weeks. Um, and it got, you know, we're talking about streaming quarterbacks, and, and there's a lot of practical advice there. But I, I always like to start with the broad theory. And the broad theory is none of this probably matters. If you're in the playoffs in your fantasy league, if you're the number one seed, whatever, at best, you probably got a 30% chance of winning the title. You know, if you make great calls with streaming quarterbacks, maybe that rises to 32%. If you make terrible calls, it falls to 28%. But it's important to look at, like, how little this actually matters. I would imagine if you looked at the teams in your league and you looked at every game and you said, if we gave this team a zero at the quarterback position, how often would it flip the outcome? It's probably only, like, 15% of the time. Because... By definition, if the losing team, if you zero out the quarterback, they still lost. They lost no matter what. So that's fifty percent of the games. Right well, let there. me just choke right here and say thanks very much, everyone. It was a good. It was a pleasure talking with you today. And there's your answer. And good luck for the rest of the season. <laughs> none of it matters. None of it matters. It's all pointless. Yeah. We're just we're just entertaining ourselves and filling the time because our existences are meaningless, and it beats nihilism. But. <laughs> No, I mean, yeah, if you lose, it doesn't matter whether your quarterback scored a zero, you would have lost anyway. And most of the time, probably like 60 to 80% of the time, the winning team could have gotten a zero from their quarterback and still won because the margin of victory was greater than the quarterback score. And so if you're starting from a position where 85% of the time, it doesn't matter whether your quarterback scored a literal zero, looking at like, oh, I can squeeze out an extra two points here if I go with this streamer instead of that streamer, it's just extraordinarily unlikely to be meaningful. That doesn't mean you shouldn't work for those two extra points because on the 1% chance that it actually makes a difference, you'll be glad you have them. But it's important to keep in mind when you're thinking about like in Dynasty, trading away assets with actual tangible future value that I, I'm, I'm hardcore of the opinion that teams that make win now trades are doing themselves a disservice. If you're making a trade because it's positive value, because what you're getting is more valuable than what you're giving, that's awesome. If you're making trades because you're worried about, you know, having to start a suboptimal person in your super flex spot this week, you're just leaking value. And it's hard enough in dynasty leagues. Dynasty leagues are set up so the best teams lose value and the worst teams gain value. The top picks go to the worst teams. You don't need to make it easier for them. If you have a good team, you don't have to give away value just because you're scared. It's okay to embrace the fear and say, okay, yeah, I'm starting a wide receiver in my super flex spot this week. That's not ideal, but it's unlikely to matter. And I'm not going to sacrifice a second round pick, which is a quality pick, especially in a super flex league. I'm not going to sacrifice that just to avoid a little bit of short-term discomfort. I'll give you a really good example of, of someone doing just that and probably regretting it. And that would be me would be in a league that I'm in with a bunch of guys where it's a Devi league, Adam, and it's the the roster setup is dynasty with IDP, and you the players only have four years of eligibility unless you give them a redshirt year on your IR, um, where they get five, um, and you only get like one player you can redshirt for five full years. So say you drafted Patrick Mahomes in your in the Devi spot in the with your one of your four Debbie picks and you get him for four years and then no one else has an, an opportunity to get him he's got he's retired essentially from the league so this year I'm this year I was uh I traded for I, I have Justin Jefferson I have one more or two more receiver spots I've already traded for guys like Josh Jacobs last year when I was about to get in the playoffs because I needed some running back talent and I thought I could go for it, but I had an extra year with him. So for me, the value was worth what I was giving away to get him. I also had um, James Robinson, who I traded for to get too. That didn't quite work out as well. The one that although that really stinks is what I did this year is that the um, is, my, is my buddy Frog in the window um, you know, Mr. Um, Jeremy Hyde, who who 
who hit me up with this, and it was savvy of him because he saw that my wide receivers were banged up. Jerry Judy's been banged up. They haven't played well. Um, you know, Mar Marquez Valdez-Scantling is also a potential starter on my roster. Devin Duvernay. But, and Justin Jefferson, obviously, is strong. Jo Josh Jacobs has been strong. I have a decent defense, all of that. Um, the, offered me DK Metcalf in his final year for a second-round pick. And so, for me, I thought, you know, I don't know. Part of me, like, the better half part of my nature was like, you know, I could probably make do with all these other receivers and just deal with it. But at the same time, I know I might need... Uh, even as I'm like arguing, like kind of like debating the point, I said it's only going to be like two extra points per game. You know, is it really that? But and and I'm facing a team that's a complete juggernaut that I've showed you um, in the past. A team that was like had an 8.33 winning percentage, and I and I happened to luck into beating him off a of Josh Jacobs like huge game. So I ended up taking the deal against my better nature, thinking, yeah, that's a, you know, I'll give it a shot because I just want to be in a position for somebody to have a huge game and maybe I can get a shot to, to, to do this and win my second championship in three years. Why not? I'll, I'll give it a go. I've had success without some early draft picks in this league. I can, I've built with it. Like last year, I only had a fourth round rookie pick and I wound up the two players I picked in that draft who've been meaningful were Isaiah Pacheco and Zonovan Knight, and then and then I've had some luck with some other players at other positions, and I can go into that. But but the whole thing was it, it made me laugh because the very next week start DK Metcalf and Jerry Judy goes off for three touchdowns, and I'm sitting there going, yeah, that was a really bad idea, and and even if and it doesn't even have to be Judy going off for that for you as you explained so well, it's just the fact that I gave away a second round pick for a guy who's going to be on my roster for at best two more weeks, you, you know, but I, I just thought I'm going to go for it and give it a shot. Why not? You know, and, and that's usually why I don't trade a ton. Cause when I do make mistakes like that, it's kind of more like, all right, I'm going to try and, uh, I'm going to try and go and win, win it all with this. And my better nature was just like, this is not a good idea. <laughs> yeah, my league, um, we've got kind of like a famous history of teams trading second round picks for like the number one overall defense on the year. And then like that defense just being terrible in the playoffs and costing them points where like if they had just kept what they had, they would have scored a lot more. We've had teams lost games that traded a second round pick for what they thought was an upgrade and it wound up being a downgrade. And if they stood pat, like they would have won a championship, but because they, they upgraded one of their weaknesses, they wound up losing. That's too it's, funny. it's a, it's a crapshoot. And it's, again, I'm not saying that like a 1% improvement in your chances of winning is not meaningful because, you know, when we're dealing with such small probabilities, like every little bit helps, but it's important to keep that in perspective that, that, it's not worth sacrificing something substantial for such for gains that are so ephemeral, in my opinion. I think the teams that are best poised to win it this year are the teams that have resisted temptation in the past to make those short-term, short-sighted gains. And and that's also why I think I, I applaud leagues that don't have trade deadlines or that their trade deadline hasn't passed yet. Because I feel like allowing trading in the playoffs is basically a tax on the good teams. Because you get teams like that who are there, they're they're gonna trade away future assets they're good yep. teams and they're trading away future assets for these tiny short-term gains and they're making themselves worse in the long run and they're making the worst teams better in the long run and it improves league parity um and it, it i love it because it gives people a chance to to screw up yeah. and to make these mistakes i felt like the rams i mean like i literally felt like the rams in that sense i mean yeah they won a championship and that's that's awesome you know but was it is it going to be worth the the competitive um structure of their team for the next three to four years i don't know we'll find out I, it doesn't look good i'll say that i think it's worth it if they got the championship but it's important to remember they that the two super bowl participants last year it was the weakest super bowl in terms of quality of teams maybe of all time they got extraordinarily lucky to win that championship and if they don't win that title that bet looks very very different today yeah yeah definitely does and that's a especially when we look at someone you know look at what they gave away and where the lions are situated right now with golf playing well 
And then you have the team, you know, starting to really turn a corner in terms of how competitive they are, the wins, um, how golf is playing, the, the, the youth in this offense, them figuring out how they want to use a lot of those offensive pieces, that line's intact. Now you can look at it and say, with those two first-round picks, you have the luxury to say, we don't need necessarily to take a quarterback who's going to have a 50% hit rate at best um, in the first round. We could take one, and but if we do, we can let them sit. We can maybe give them a little bit more time to develop behind golf. Um, so we could even consider like a a stronger uh, a stronger prospect, um, and 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 where a lot of teams would start that player, but you would give them a little more time, or you could pick a couple more guys for your defense, you know, which is a sieve, and see if or you take could, two quarterbacks, which I think teams take, should do way more often. See, there you go, there you go. I I mean, to me, I mean, if you could. If you could get yourself Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson, that might be fun. You know, I could see. Yeah. You know that if that happened, I would I would die laughing. You know, in Detroit, but uh, but um, I I think Jared, I think just from the perspective of not really thinking about it the way you're thinking about it, I would the the look on Jared Goff's face if they like took two quarterbacks, I think he would probably like lose his mind. Um, and then if someone exp and I don't think anyone would be able to explain it to him um, why that's a good idea and that he would probably just look at you cross-eyed but then again um, for I, I'm not sure I remember somebody asking him some question that like you know generally the norm the the most of the American populace actually does know even like if you're not as smart as a third grader and he didn't seem to know that so you know I he might look at you cross-eyed when you when you do try to explain that but you know but he's probably used to it I mean like in the in the trade for Stafford he was viewed as like a negative right you know like the 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 Rams had to pay extra just to get him off their books yeah. So I, you know, he's he's not really any stranger to being disrespected, and I think it's to his credit that he's playing as well as he has this year, given how often he's he's just written off and used as a punchline. He sure is, and I think it's great. And I actually kind of like the poetic justice that's happening because, I I almost kind of like to see Sean McVay just run away from the NFL, um, just from the standpoint of this, because the way that he buried golf. And I think a lot of it is an ego attachment to the offense that he has. And because I've often heard quarterback coaches, they'll talk about these guys at the, with a West Coast scheme. And because it's so, there, there's so many details with it and the long the long verbiage with the play calls or the different ways that there's so much choreographing going on that quarterbacks have often complained that West Coast offensive coordinators and head coaches who are proponents of that system often treat their players like their video game, you know, they're like it's a video game and they have the controls and that they're just like pixels as opposed to, to actually human beings. And when you think of the whole Jared Goff is a puppet and Sean McVay has the strings and he's calling, making calls in his headset and, you know, Goff isn't really even equipped to be a, a good quarterback. And then they ran blitzes at him and he was awful at it. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, but you enabled your quarterback. So if you enable your quarterback where he's not allowed to make changes without you it being in his ear at all times, you've just basically mismanaged the guy. It wasn't like he he was awful at Cal and even though it was maybe less complex, but he went from Cal to Jeff Fisher's high school offense. That's how Todd Gurley described it was like, it was as basic as a high school offense in terms of the complexity to, to McVeigh, who was like, I'm going to, you know, we're going to fix this quick. And that's great. We got Jared Goff propped up quickly, but you didn't give him real development or you didn't give him as much development opportunities to really grow in the conceptual area that most quarterbacks have to by going through some of the bad. And that made you look good because you're the whiz kid who turned everything around, but you basically mortgaged your quarterback's future for early success. And to your benefit, that, that worked. So, you know, you can say just purely from his self, the, the, for the betterment of the team, for the short term, it was great. For him, maybe his long-term cred, it was great.
for Jared Goff, it was awful because it didn't give him that opportunity. And now here he is as a reclamation project for Detroit. And now it's interesting. You wonder, I mean, do you think if you were the Lions, what would you do with that? Would you, I asked Lori Fitzpatrick this, um, Fitz, um, Patrick this question earlier this week is, would you, would you make a, would you pick two quarterbacks this year? Would you, would you, would you try and shore up the defense? Would you stick with golf and just not not pick up any pick any quarterbacks at all? I mean, where would you where do you stand on it with the practical application of this? Yeah, I mean, first I do want to mention you were talking about McVeigh treating his quarterbacks um, like like he controls the video game, and um, I just wanted to contrast that with the late Mike Leach, who who tragically just passed, yeah. and it was a tremendous loss for coaching profession and, and for humanity but it's it's funny watching him call plays because he doesn't really call plays he kind of like calls suggestions he's got like this think about um motion that he does on the sideline he's like get in this formation call what you want i mean maybe think about this play they've kind of been leaving this this zone open but just call whatever it doesn't matter and it, it takes a, a lot of work for his quarterbacks to earn that trust and to get that freedom but once they're there like he lets them do whatever they want it, he's he's not on the field and he teaches them and enables them and um it is it's fun to compare that and contrast that with someone like sean mcveigh who the idea of giving that much control to someone who's not him just would be anathema i mean it there's a great um johnny unitas quote that you haven't made it as a quarterback until you can tell your coach to go to hell yes uh, and that's it's fun to see Goff getting to a point. I doubt he's really telling his coach to go to hell, but getting to the point where, you know, he's getting a bit of that swagger. Um, as for what I would do if I were the Lions, I am, and I am, I know I'm a huge outlier on this. I would keep Goff and draft two quarterbacks because it's a quarterback league. I mean, you know, if you get a Patrick Mahomes or like a Jalen Hurts on a rookie contract, that is the biggest cheat code in the NFL. If you get a Lamar Jackson or a Josh Allen on a rookie contract, it's this massive cheat code. And then the great thing is, for the top level quarterbacks, typically once a player's rookie contract is over, they're paid what they're worth. Top quarterbacks are not. They are not paid what they're worth. The Patrick Mahomes of the world is making barely more than Kirk Cousins. Cousins is a fine quarterback, but he's not almost as good as Patrick Mahomes, but that's what their contracts would suggest. And so I, for me, my opinion is if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a team, right? Maybe you can luck yourself at like the, the Jaguars with Bortles that one year. Um, the Broncos won a Super Bowl in 2015 with the ghost of Peyton Manning. But for the most part, if you want long-term success, you need a quarterback. And if you want a quarterback, given that the hit rate is so low, the best way to get one quarterback is to take three shots. And so that would be me. I would, I would draft two quarterbacks in the first round if I had two guys there who I liked and who, who were worth it, according to my scouts. I mean, I wouldn't draft them just to draft them. I'm not going to draft Brock Purdy in the second because all the other quarterbacks are gone. But I would be very open to drafting multiple quarterbacks. I'd be very open to signing reclamation projects like Goff. I would want to get as many bites of that apple as I could because hit rate is so low and and the rewards when you do hit are just so unbelievably outsized well i would just you know i would love to see the buffet circuit react to you uh to to you doing that in detroit they, they would, would lose their mind they would especially yeah. after the whole matt millen three receiver the receiver after receiver after receiver situation but but matt the millen... most my twitter mentions have ever burned is i laid out this philosophy i laid out the math behind it like you know, people are like, well, what if, like, people are talking about the downside. Like, what if they both hit? That's not a downside. No. Trade one of them. You, you more than recoup the cost. What if they both bust? Well, okay. If you draft a quarterback and he busts, and then two years later you draft a quarterback and he busts, you're now set back four years. If they both bust, you just sped that process up. Now you're, you're only set back <laughs> two years, right? What happens if the first one busts and the second one hits? That's the gold ring. That's why you drafted the second quarterback. What happens if the second one busts and the first one hits? Oh, well, you know, like that's that's the cost of doing business. So, but anyway, I, I laid this all out and then I went to make dinner and I came back and I look at my phone and I had to do a double take because it's like you have like 573 Twitter notifications <laughs> where people just got mad. They got mad at the idea of drafting two quarterbacks, even though it's obviously the correct idea. I don't think Philadelphia regrets drafting Jalen Hurts when they had Carson Wentz on their roster. It's obviously the right thing to do. 
See, I would, I would enjoy, I, I would love to own a team and have you, and have you in the in those rooms to have those conversations, um, and and I would know, and it would be a good one too. I might even have you in a room like when we interviewed prospective head coaches, just to see their faces, um, in you know, and their reactions to some of the ideas that we would float out there just to see if they're open-minded to it or if they're fake open-minded to it. Like if we can tell whether they're just kissing our ass or, uh, you know, and, and going along with this or whether they're about to lose their mind. And then, and then if it's explained well enough, whether they can like, go, I don't know, you'd have to do, you'd, you know, I'd rather have somebody who goes, you'd have to give me a lot of, con- you'd have to go further to convince me but I'm a little more open to it than I thought I'd be, you know, something to the extent where you could kind of see it. But you also want that person to be like um, for real with you about it, too, because I, I think right. that's I mean, fucking you want stupid. The but... like losing their minds because at yeah. least they're being upfront about it. Exactly. They're, they're being honest. Yeah. yeah. They're like, I think it's fucking I thought it was fucking stupid when I heard it. But now I'm listening to it. And I'm thinking, I don't know who the hell's going to do this. But if listen, if you're game for this and you're not going to fire me because of th- this turns out to be stupid. Um, I'm okay with that. You know, I, you know, I'd prefer us not, I don't want us to be set further behind, you know, something like that. I'd be okay. Well, this person might be reasonable to work with, you know, from that perspective and they're not going to be phony about it, but yeah, that's, it's, it's a fascinating idea. I mean, I get the, I get the idea of that in theory. It, it makes total sense. And I think there's a, idea and practicality with it too because i mean think about teams that did have when when the eagles say we wanted to be a quarterback factory maybe they did they did a i almost want to say they did a wimpy version of it um you you know because yeah it's fine to draft another quarterback when you have carson wentz that's fine um you know where you keep taking another one after that at some point it wasn't like they took well they did take hurts in the second round i believe so You know, which at that time was seen as more of a risk because there are a lot people of people lost saw, their mind. People were mad. Yeah. They, and, and like, it's obviously it, it's the right thing. Like, just look at the results. The, the the reward from hitting on that is just so ridiculously outsized compared to the cost. Yeah, it really it truly is. And then you think about the Packers back in the day when they kept bringing quarterback and they've had quarterbacks come through ranging from Matt Flynn to Kurt Warner to um you know Brunel Brunel yeah Hasselback. exactly and that and if you really think about it what they were able to do maybe they didn't get much out of Warner obviously but I mean you know the fact that they they were trying and even though they failed with recognizing what they had in Warner um, at that point or maybe Warner wasn't even remotely ready yet at that point so it didn't matter the fact that they were making those efforts it did parlay help them be able to sustain a quality level of play for their team for many years you know so yeah i you know i i can see the logic behind that you're you know you're making some good points here with it um you know just out of curiosity someone like Derek car i saw i saw somebody on twitter ask a question about car as a streamer um and one of the one of the questions was posed is, you know, I think I'm going to start Lamar Jackson this, I mean, not Lamar, start Deshaun Watson this week, um, you know, which first gave me a little bit of pause. And then I looked at some of the, you know, the teams that are playing and that he, that he has Njoku back. He has Donovan Peoples-Jones back. And I'm like, okay, even if Amari Cooper is a little bit dinged up and may, may not be as effective, it may not, it, there's still compelling weapons there. But then he's like, but I'm thinking about either cutting Derek Carr or Brock Purdy. And, you know, and he said, and then, of course, he did the famous compare and contrast with the fantasy analyst. So he's like, you know, Bloom, Bloom's totally off Derek Carr. It's just like completely lacks confidence in him now. And so I thought, all right, I know our buddy Bloom and, and Bloom, the esteemed Sigmund Bloom. You, you know, I, I, I totally get like, there's a lot of great analysis what what he does, but I thought, let me see if Derek Carr's playing the Steelers this week. And sure enough, Derek Carr's playing the Steelers this week. Um, and I, there's two places where there's two places where my buddy Bloom tilts a little bit, and it's when anything that has to do with a player remotely associated with the Steelers, um, either good or bad, he either tilts bad too much or tilts good too much, um, or whether it's um, whether it's players who 
who show an ounce of athletic ability, like speed. If they're speed and they have a couple of moves, the the, the bright and shiny toy or the Pittsburgh Steeler are his two things. So I'm just curious, are you completely off a guy like Derek Carr? Because it seemed like a cup for the past, other than last week, he had a horrible game last week. He had pretty, you know, he's had some decent games or decent enough for a streamer, you know, and, you know, before that. And the Steelers are the 10th most generous offense to quarterbacks. So, yes, they faced the 49ers the week after that. So, I get the idea that the 49ers are a tough matchup and you may not want Carr then. Um, but this week, do you really, I could see where you might want to play him and you might get equal or greater than Brock Purdy or, or Deshaun Watson in that case. Where, where are you with Carr right now? Well, I like Watson a lot just because he runs. And and I think running covers up all manner of ills. Yeah. It it kind of makes you a little bit more matchup-proof, where if the defense is being especially stingy against the pass, you're more likely to scramble a lot. Your guys aren't going to be open. And so it kind of helps offset that. Um, so I like Watson um, more than Carr. Carr's an interesting guy. Uh, for like the first three or four years of his career, I thought his reputation was just wildly outsized. Because he's the kind of guy that, like, casual statistic watchers really loved. He had a really high touchdown-to-interception ratio, and he had a really high completion percentage. But the reason he did that is because he was, he was like Captain Dink and Dunk. He actually had the lowest era-adjusted yards per attempt of any rookie quarterback in history. Bad. He averaged, like, five yards an attempt. And he didn't throw a lot of picks, but that's because it's all just dump-offs. And so I was, I was hard out on Carr. He just didn't interest me. He wasn't fun to watch. I didn't think he was that good. Um, so I was hard out, and the market was kind of on him because he didn't throw very many interceptions. And then Gruden got there, and he kind of became a completely different quarterback in, yeah. in a way that most players don't really change. They are who they are. They have their, um, their style of play, and that style doesn't change. And Gruden got him taking deep shots, and it really opened up the offense in a way that you know, it gave it a dimension that it didn't have before, um, where he was averaging like twice as many 40-yard completions a year. And it's, you know, you're going from like six a year to 12 a year. It doesn't seem like it would make a huge difference, but it changed the way defenses were playing him. And it, you know, it was opening up like the 25-yard completions and the 20-yard completions. And the Raiders weren't having to sustain 12 play drives anymore. And all of a sudden, it was an interesting and fun offense. And I was kind of all the way back in on Derek Carr. And then now he got Devontae Adams, who's playing out of his mind. You know, one of the best receivers in the NFL. And you would think that, like, okay, Derek Carr is finally going to go through the moon. He's finally, he's learned how to play an aggressive, productive style. He finally has quality, quality receivers. This He's going to go to the moon. And it, it's just, I don't really know what's happened. He's just not been that good this year he's not been terrible but he's just he hasn't taken a step forward i would love to blame it all on josh mcdaniels because i'm a broncos fan and i would love to blame i would love to think that everything that is wrong with the raiders is on josh mcdaniels i there's i'm not a diehard broncos fan but there's there's a good bit of schadenfreude that that mcdaniels and the raiders are just face planting so hard this year and every time they give up another huge comeback i, I just smile just the littlest bit of seeing a miserable but I don't really know what's up with Carr. I think he's a better quarterback than he's shown so far. And in the long run, I'd rather bet on that than someone like Brock Purdy. Um, but I do think, he, yeah, I think he's kind of like a middling streamer. I'm not that. I'm not as concerned about like Pittsburgh and San Francisco. I think if you look at it, um, most fantasy managers lose points in their attempts to like get clever and play matchups and, and seek out or avoid certain defenses production isn't really that predictable and a lot of like the good matchup bad matchup narrative is all just crafted after the fact it's not really that predictive um yeah i think Carr's a fine streamer if if you're really hurting for a quarterback he's probably like in the quarterback 16 17 range i want to say he's got decent upside just because he's taking some deep shots and he's got Devontae adams but it just hasn't been there this year and it's it's confusing to me it's almost like um Aaron Rodgers in the last couple of years and Mike McCarthy where I'm watching him and I'm like, he's too good to be playing like this. You know, it's not it. The numbers look okay because the interceptions aren't there and, and the touchdowns are there, but he's too good 
to, to be getting so few yards for all his attempts. I don't know. Carr is a confusing guy to me. Um, I, I would be comfortable if, if it's, if Carr was my worst case scenario, I'm not worried about it. Yeah. And, and I think that's probably, I would agree as a more of a worst case scenario. I, I think Watson is probably a better option right now. Um, and mainly because with Carr, I mean, we have to throw in Darren Waller hurt again, Hunter and yep. throw out for the year. Um, you know, Josh McDaniel's obsession with Matt Collins, um, who is, you know, a good football player, but not really a great receiver. Um, it, using and having like Keelan Cole, who's extremely inconsistent um, at best um, as part of that lineup. And then leaning more on the run and the way defenses have been playing. Um, it's better to, to, for them to have been operating more out of two tight end sets and, and running the ball and then taking your shots with Devontae Adams. I mean, that's worked well for them, but they've had to change their offense. I think in many respects based on make adjustments based on how defenses were playing three and four wide receiver sets. Um, so I, I think part of it is that too. Um, so yeah, I, I, but I was totally there with you with Carr. I was all in on the Raiders to begin the season um, with the idea of that we're definitely Carr's a Carr's has a shot to be a top five quarterback this year. Um, you know, with all those weapons, he could support you know at least three weapons who are going to be fantasy you know starters, high end starters, maybe in your top ten or top twelve. Um, at maybe two at wide receiver, one at one at tight end, um, and that and that, and even have a decent running game. Well, all we got was the decent running game and the wide receiver one due to injuries and and everything else that's going on there. So yeah, I'm with you. I think probably though at this rate, I might go Purdy over over um, Carr only because the weaponry's there. So I know the weaponry's there. The offensive line is really good. And that's one of those teams where they have enough in the trenches to really, like you said, you don't need to be a top quarterback in that offense to execute and deliver points. So I, I would probably go, I would probably lean more towards Watson. And, and Watson's more, I expect Watson to be more on the ascent as he gets back into the, um, the swing of things. And, and I know that people are like, well, he's had nearly two years off. How long is it going to take? And I'm thinking one or two games at best at worst I mean because it's not like he's a rookie in the NFL acclimating to the game it's just like it's more like having being used to what the game is about and just going oh yeah there's the speed of the game I just need to get recalibrated but I've done this muscle before. memory yeah the muscle memories there and you could see it like when he was making bad throws in the first week against the Texans it was because he was rushing his process like you could tell he was like every throw he was making that was inaccurate was he hurried the throw like you could see it with his form um it was just it was too fast and, was, and that's the idea of your mind operating too fast and your body trying to compensate for that and and you wind up looking like that you're you're playing at a speed and a quarter faster than everybody else um in a way that it didn't flow so you could see it was you could see the moments though where when it did it's just like oh yeah it's it's coming it's just going to take a it's just going to take him um a little bit it's the same way that you look at a player like jk dobbins um who didn't miss nearly as much time but missed all of last all of last year and then part of this year when he came back against the steelers he looked healthy but at this and much more fluid but you could see that his timing with his offensive lineman wasn't always there. So there were runs that he had where I thought, A, if he had a little bit more top-end stamina, which he had lost from, you know, not being on the field, and B, he was a little he was a little better in terms of his timing with the line. There were plays that he probably would have broken even longer than that one forty yard gain. I mean, like he had a couple there that that if he made the cut just at the right time, it would have been it would have been awesome and he would have gone deep on that team um with that in mind i'll just say you know it's that time that we have our one sponsor um so you know our one sponsor wants you to know you think about going deep in your league you've got 
Guys like Chris Olave and Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddell, Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, they went deep on NFL cornerbacks from the jump. And the rookie scouting portfolio has been ahead of the curve for 17 years, helping fantasy GMs go deep in their leagues with the likes of Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Nick Chubb, and Cooper Cup. It's a two-in-one fantasy-focused draft guide. Um, it covers over 150 rookies at the quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end positions. You get player profiles and analysis that are very comprehensive, pre-draft and post-draft rankings with tiers, cheat sheets with designated sweet spots for maximum draft value. So I compare ADP with my own post-draft rankings. And if I'm much higher than the consensus on a player, I'm not telling you to draft him at 101, even though he might end up being worth 101. You might be able to get him at, you know, 205 and recoup that extra player value with it and still get a player who might have been one of the top five in the pick. You get three-year combined rookie rankings as well as a newsletter that runs from June through December. So it, it's one of the two most purchased independent NFL draft guides by scouts. Um, according to SMU's recruiting director, Alex Brown, who's worked with a, you know multiple teams in the in, in the NCAA and Division One, Houston, as well as Rice, meets with these guys on a weekly basis, sees what they're looking at, talks about what they're looking at as cross-checking devices. You can pre-order the 2023 RSP and use the discount code. Um, well, actually, you don't need a discount code. You just pre-order it and you get it for $19.95 through December 22nd. That's 10% off the normal low rate of $21.99. And if you, um, you want to wait because you're one of those people who perversely want to pay me more money, which many of you write me and tell me you do, and I appreciate that, you can go ahead and wait till the 23rd. Then you can order it anytime, pre-order it anytime before then. And then I will email you guys when it is ready on April 1st, like it's been for the past 17 years. Um, and you too can go deep on your league. I just want to point out that if you're giving it as a Christmas gift, you can still pay that full price and you'll uh, by, by December 23rd and still give it as a Christmas gift. That was I think that was pretty generous timing on your part. See, there you go. Exactly. There you go. So I, I love that. And and if you do order it as a Christmas gift, you know, just email me at mountwaldmanrsp.com. Um, and that way, if you decide you're going to order two and you want to have me create a login for for the person who has the gift, that way you can write them or you can make up a nice card or do whatever Martha Stewart-esque type of thing you want to do with it. And then you can have them, you can give me their email and I'll contact them and say, hey, you know, I understand that, you know, that Adam ordered this as a Christmas gift for you. Um, and here's, you know, here's the login and password that you're going to use. I'll be emailing you around April 1st to let you know it's ready. And if you have any questions, let me know. And I usually get back to you in about 24 hours, something like that. So, so yeah, but, uh, I don't know any, anybody else that we should, we should discuss as a potential streamer that you like over the next few weeks or anybody that comes to mind that, that you're just like, no way. Yeah. I was actually preparing for this show and I didn't even realize I hadn't been paying attention to, um, to my, uh, email alerts, whatever for player movement, which is a mistake because typically in dynasty leagues, I feel like the waiver run is not where it's at. It's that second level waiver run where you grab the guys who were cut too early. Uh, anyway, I was, I was preparing for this show and I looked on one of my leagues and, and somebody just cut Mike White and now Mike White's on waivers. And I was thinking about it and I'm like, hmm, it's yeah. pretty interesting. I had, I had Justin Herbert and Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's now done for the year. Um, I don't know if he'll be ready at the start of next year. I'm obviously very comfortable with Justin Herbert, but I would like a little depth just in case you know i get hit again with an injury um and you know mike white's kind of an inter interesting guy now that i look about it he's he's played clearly better than zach wilson i think better than joe flacco um he's obviously not a high-end quarterback at this point but he's young enough that i can if i squint a little and i use my imagination i have a very powerful imagination i can kind of imagine a path to him becoming a regular starter probably won't happen when the cost is free um, in, in a dynasty league, I'll, I'll probably take a shot on that. If any of my league mates are listening and they try to put in a waiver priority ahead of me, I will give you a dirty look. But uh, that's all fair in love and fantasy. That's fine. You can go ahead and do that. Um, you yeah, know, Mike White, I think, is an interesting name that I'm probably going to take a shot on. I like that. Uh, and, and certainly, I mean, he played tough with the, with the broken, with the rib injury that he had against the Bills at, at the end of that game. I mean, and they'll be able to... They'll be able to put the painkiller in there um, earlier in the game and let that 
you know, and he'll be able to be, he'll be one week better from that standpoint. And he won't be facing the Bills off defense either. So that's And helpful. I love the Jets receivers long term yeah. too, where like, even if he's, you know, like if he's kind of a middling journeyman kind of starter, if he gets another two years in New York with Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore, he could put up borderline startable numbers or, or, or quality backup numbers, which for the low, low price of a waiver claim, I'm, I'm kind of okay yeah. with. Yeah. And he is a he's an intriguing decision maker. He's always been out of Western Kentucky. I had a similar situation with the guy that most people are just off on, but I'm a I'm a one seed in our playoffs and I have the bye, but I had I Patrick Mahomes, who obviously very comfortable with, but I also had Marcus Mariota as my kind of like last tier guy who I started on the one bye week that Mahomes wasn't there and now he's on IR and Desmond Ritter was gone, but somebody dropped Russell Wilson. And well, you know, Russell Wilson is QB 15 since week 10 and QB 12 after, you know, past couple of weeks. And was my, looking good last week. I mean, he was looking really good last yeah, week. Yeah. So I thought, well, you know, in case the bottom falls out with Mahomes, why not? You know, I'm, I, I need a quarter. I need a backup quarterback just in case something happens. You know, ho hopefully not. Um, but yeah, I'll take Russell Wilson, at, at, you know, at that stage. So that's another streamer that, yeah, I mean, obviously we got to see if he clears. I haven't looked yet to see if he cleared um, protocols for the concussion. Um, but I would I would have to, you know, oftentimes you can, you know, just playing the percentages, probably by next week he will have cleared it. Um, and I have the week off, so might as well, might as well take that shot. And if not, then I'll just go back on the waiver wire and find somebody else possibly it, it, you know, if that's the case, I'm sure Brett Rippon will be there if I have to go that far. But Brett Rippon to me is kind of in that class of Purdy and White, um, a player who's functional. Um, now, I don't love the offense as much, obviously, but he's a player that's functional, who who is technically sound, plays well in structure, just doesn't quite have the athletic ability to convert things off structure. So, I dig it. Yeah. I dig it. I mean, that's the thing about quarterbacks too. Is is <clears throat> they're predictable in the sense of like we know who's getting the workload. Teams don't usually. Um, Houston last week was doing some interesting experiments there, but teams don't usually run a quarterback by committee. You know, the guy who's the guy is going to be the guy, barring injury or just egregious underperformance. So <clears throat> you can get a guy like Brett Ripien, and he's not a good quarterback you know, in, in terms of compared to the other starters in the NFL, but you know, he's going to get you 30 pass attempts and you get a guy 30 pass attempts, who knows what's going to happen. So I have one that I got it. We'll end it on this, even though I feel like we're about to end on a bad note here, but he's interesting to me. He faces, you know, we already talked about matchups, but just for the heck of it, he faces Pittsburgh to Detroit and Tampa Bay. And those are all pretty bad, um, generous pass defenses. And that's Sam Darnold. So our, you know, Sam, Sam's played, he hasn't thrown interceptions, but he hasn't thrown for a lot of yards either. His, his rushing outputs have been, um, somewhat interesting. Not like, not to the point where you're looking at saying, I know he's not, I don't think I'm going to get 80 yards out of Sam Darnold as a runner, but I am getting somewhere between 20 and 30, you know, at times. What do you make a Sam? What do you think with Sam Darnold? You're just like, yeah, no way. But like. Heck no. No, I, yeah, the thing, interceptions are the least stable part of quarterback play. He's not throwing many. That doesn't mean anything to me. Um, <laughs> yards per attempt is the most stable part of quarterback play. He's awful there. Um, that's probably not going to improve. The rushing's interesting. I remember it, the, like, five weeks into the season last year, he was, like, a top five fantasy quarterback because he'd rushed for like six touchdowns he had like back to back to back weeks of like two rushing touchdowns and he was on this like monster it was like cam newton reincarnated uh, but he didn't sustain that he's probably not going to sustain this i don't know i like i said you give a guy 30 um nfl pass attempts and who knows what could happen but i'm not really any more excited about uh sam tarnold than i would be about you know brad ripian yeah, well, listen, I, I know one thing that's going to happen when we get Adam Harsted on the show. It's going to be a good show. So, you know, for those of you who got a chance to listen out there, you know, follow this show. 
Um, follow the RSP cast and you get content from Adam. You can find Adam at Adam Harstead on Twitter, also at Football Guys with the great work that he does there. Check out his weekly columns. Um, Dynasty in Theory is a good example of one that is just is just fantastic. And uh, I think we need to rename the show. Instead of Film and Data, we should call it you know Film and Theory or Theory and Practice. Film and Diatribe. The film and Diatribe. There we go. So on, on that note, thanks again, folks. Um, you know, hope you guys have a, a terrific week. And, uh, you know, we may we, we may do one next week. We may not. We'll figure that out on the we'll figure that out on the back end. I'll make sure that we're we're considerate of our families and go from there on um, during the holiday season. We hope you have a wonderful one if we don't talk to you next week. See you.